Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. I do particularly want to welcome those who are online. I want to welcome those who are Bury St. Edmunds, those who are in Colchester. I think I've covered everybody there and everyone in the room here. It's great to have you with us. It's my pleasure to introduce our guest speaker this morning. I'll be honest with you. A few years ago, I said, how can we get Pastor Agu at C3? I'd heard him. I'd never met him. I thought, I, I just want to get Pastor Agu at C3. But we didn't have that connection. And, and honestly, cold calling doesn't really work. It's usually through relationships. And then we were having dinner with uh, Matt Bird. Some of you know Matt Bird. And I said, Matt, how can we get Pastor Agu to C3? And he said to me, I'll ask him. I said, well, is it that easy? He said, this is what he said. I'm not sure whether this is true, Pastor Agu. He said, if I ask him, he'll come. Now, that's Matt Bird, all right? And, and so we left it with Matt, and he asked him. And then a few weeks later, Matt came back to us and says, I've got some good news for you. Pastor Agu will come. So let me read to you a little bit, because this, this man really is, and I, I'm not exaggerating this, he is a legend in this nation of what he's done, of the influence that he's brought, of what he does as a, a senior pastor, but beyond that into different sectors across the UK. He's a former investment banker, a partner in a law firm, and I also found out before he lived in Cambridge for a year. So this is coming home in Garlic Row, if any of you know where Garlic Row is. So he lived in Cambridge for a year. He's the founder of the Mandates Men's Ministry, a ministry which seeks to empower, equip, encourage, and raise godly men. Do we hear an amen? He's a key member of the One People Commission of the Evangelical Alliance, a body set up to integrate ethnic minority churches more fully into the Evangelical Alliance. He was once for a season the president of churches, one of the presidents of churches together in England, he was voted Britain's most inspirational black person in a poll conducted by the Mayor of London in 2012. He co-founded a children's charity, this is a busy man, with his wife Sola, uh, called Bright Futures from Af for African Children, a charity which seeks to break the cycle of poverty. And he's the senior pastor of Jesus House in London. So we are honored, and I would like us to stand together as we applaud and welcome Pastor Agu. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. You, 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 can you remain standing? Um, I'm not sure if you've heard the story of the donkey. Have you heard the story about the donkey? Okay, I'll tell you in two minutes. So, there's a very famous donkey in the Bible. Um, it's famous because that's the donkey that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on. And if you can get into the donkey's mind, um, for most of its life, it's lived in obscurity. And then it has this moment of fame. Human beings are actually bowing down to the donkey. And they are taking off their clothes or, you know, palm fronds, and they're laying it in, in the path of the donkey. And the donkey thinks, this is amazing. 
uh, human beings are bowing down to me and praising me. And then they get into Jerusalem. Jesus gets off the donkey. And that's the last we hear about the donkey. So whenever I am welcomed as warmly as you have done and such lovely things are said about me, I remember that the, the, the challenge the donkey had, he didn't realize that it was Jesus on him and that all the praise was to Jesus and not to him. So since I don't want that to be my fate, I, I, want, I want this relationship to continue. I want to come back. I don't want you to, I don't want to become uh, cast away. I realize it's all about Jesus. So can we give him the praise? Go on. Let's give him the praise. Go on. Go on. C3, we can do better than that. Let's, let's praise him. Let's praise him. He's the one who really matters. We thank you, Father. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated in God's wonderful presence. Hallelujah. I want to thank um, your lead pastors, um, Steve and Angie, for, for inviting me. And it is true um, um, what Steve said about Matt Bird. He, anything he asks me, I do, literally. <laughs> Thankfully, he hasn't asked me to do anything that I would have regrets about. But we have a great relationship with him that goes back so many years. His interest in my wife and I, Shola, we have dinner with him tomorrow. And anyone who knows Matt knows that. He loves that, you know, he knows all the best restaurants, the finest wines. He's just a connoisseur of the good life. Uh, so we'll be, ex we'll be enjoying some of that, Shola and I, tomorrow uh, evening with him. And so, Father, we just want to thank you for this chance to fellowship together. Uh, we believe the entrance of your word transforms our lives. It, it lifts burdens, it breaks yokes, it illuminates our hearts. It, it, it brings, Father, direction to our lives. It does these things and more. And that's what we expect today, Heavenly Father, that your word will do just that. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Amen. If you want a title for what I want to share with you, um, then the power of prayer uh, will suffice the power of prayer. And our foundation text is taken from James, the fifth chapter. And uh, I'll read from verse 16 to 18. James, the fifth chapter, verse 16 to 18. Confess your tre trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And this is where I was actually going the next um, sentence. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Anyone who knows me knows that I am very, very passionate about prayer. Um, I believe with my wife that uh, a, a praying church will see God's plans and purposes come to pass in our lives, in our communities, and in the nation. 
Um, I believe so strongly uh, that it's God's way of bringing into our lives and into our communities things that he has purposed and destined. I marvel at prayer that God could choose to limit himself in a sense uh, so that he can go into partnership with us to bring to pass his plans and his purposes. And talking about prayer, the scripture I read, I think, is one of the most powerful scriptures in terms of encouraging regular people like you and I in prayer. Uh, in the New Testament, the New Testament makes a reference to an Old Testament prophet, a man called Elijah. And literally, the New Testament says to us, the Apostle James says to us, if you want to understand what effective prayer is, you need to take a look at the life of Elijah. And then it says to us to encourage us that he was like you, like me, because the tendency when we read about these great men of prayer, the, the, the Wesley brothers, uh, William Booth, uh, Smith Wigglesworth, you know, and more modern giants of prayer, the tendency is to instantly separate us from them. These are generals of intercession. And I'm just a regular mom with two children trying to get on with life. And so we can't be in the same ballpark. Our minds do it for us. These are, reg these are serious guys. These, these guys, they pray and things happen. But I'm just trying to get through college so we're not in the same ballpark. So the Bible tries to deal with that instantly. Elijah is a man just like you and I. He's a regular guy with regular issues. So instantly, anyone who wants to really understand prayer must say to themselves, what is it about Elijah? What can I learn about Elijah? And the truth, I've been, doing, I've been studying Elijah and his life for the last 25 years. I'm convinced that this man got it right in prayer and there's something that I can learn from him. And so today, I just want to share a few things that I've learned in this journey of mine, taking a look at this man that the New Testament puts forward to us as a model of someone who prayed effectively. He prayed and shut the heavens at his word. And for three years and six months, there was no rain whatsoever. And then when he decided to take the keys out of his pocket, he opened up the heavens and it rained. I'm saying, I want to be like this guy so that my prayers have the same impact. And there are many things we can learn about Elijah. I also like this, the, the, the way the Bible sets a story to drive home the point. Because Elijah comes, the Bible tells us, from the hills of Gilead. That's it. Now, usually the Bible would um, give some introduction of a person. He's the son of this and the son of that and the son of this. But this man just rise, comes from obscurity, no introduction, probably no pedigree, and yet God uses him mightily. He arrives on the scene at a particular time that I think is also poignant. poignant. He arrives on the scene at a time when the nation is going through some of his darkest days. He arrives at a scene when apostasy is the norm. He arrives on the scene when king after king have struggled with themselves to show who was more evil than the other. 
he arrives at a time of extreme darkness in the nation. And into that comes this man, Elijah. He confronts the king of the day, Ahab, and declares to the king that at my word, there will not be rain in this land. And it happens exactly as he said. What can we learn about prayer from Elijah? Just a number of things. Number one, we, can le we learn from Elijah that prayer, effective praying, rests on the word of God. When you read Elijah's story, and I'd like to encourage you to go home and spend some time studying it, you're amazed as to how many times you see the phrase, and the word of the Lord came to him. He was led by the word of the Lord. His prayer life stemmed from the word of the Lord. He was obedient to the word of the Lord. In, in 1 Kings 17 verses 5 to 7, the word of God comes to him and, and, and directs him to go and stay at the brook Cherith and that the ravens will bring food to him. Now, you have to be obedient to God to do that. Because the thought of it, that I have to obey him and sit here by this brook and believe that some birds are going to feed me, you better believe God can't make anything happen to believe that. I think it's a challenge to us. Um, in another, another instance, he gets a word from God, and the word says to him, uh, 1 Kings 17, 8 and 10, that a widow has been commanded to provide for him and he should arise and go and live with that widow. I mean, you better hear God. I can imagine social media, man of God moves in with widow uh, and the whole church collapses because <laughs> man, the man, but, but he heard God. What's my challenge to us at C3? Uh, thankfully, that is the kind of church that this church is. We are not just into the sound bites. We are not just into uh, the excitement of our faith. We want to be people who are rooted in the word of God. The word of God is not uh, just another book. It is the word of God. We must believe in the word of God. Against the culture, we must believe in the word of God. Against the times, we must believe in the word of God. The word of God doesn't get archaic or old, no. The word of God is as contemporary today as it was when it was written. It speaks into the challenges of our times. It speaks into the culture of our times. Let's be, let's, the church today in the United Kingdom, part of the weakness of the church today is that we have moved away from the word of God. So let's encourage ourselves the, the, the power in our prayer is rooted in the word of God. I say to people that you can only pray as much as far as the word you have in you. Can someone say amen to that? Amen. Number two, second thing that struck me about Elijah was his faith in God. He has an encounter with these prophets of Baal. The Bible records the encounter for us. It was one of two things. Either this man had a death wish or he knew God would come through. You know, when we read it, we can gloss over it and miss the import of that. Because if God had not answered his prayer, Elijah was dead. Because these prophets were not friendly. They had spent the whole afternoon 
cutting themselves, calling on their gods. They were bleeding. They were hurting. They would not, they, the thing they would have loved the most was to get their hands on him. And he becomes the sacrifice. But this man of God just knew that his God would come through. He just had faith in God. He reminds me of Daniel and the three Hebrew boys. They have, they have faith in God. So let's challenge ourselves. Take our faith to another level. There are many things around us that are trying to speak against our faith. There are many circumstances that are trying to say to us, it, it can't happen. People say to me, everywhere you go, you talk about this revival like you actually believe it will happen. I said, what do you think? I believe it's going to happen. Of course I believe it's going to happen. Because the God who did it in the past is still the same. The Bible says it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He did it for them in the past, in biblical days. He did it for them in Wales. Why won't he do it for us today in our own time? If we believe God, have faith in him, trust him. The writer of Hebrews says, Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please God. That tells me that the currency of our kingdom is faith. And we are amazed as to how many times Jesus would say to someone, be it unto you according to your faith. That tells me that in our kingdom, the currency we spend is faith. That trust in God, that belief that God will be who he says he is. The writer of Hebrews says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that God is. And I say to people, let's just believe that God is. Let's believe that the God of the Bible is the God of today. Let's believe that the God who took a whole nation through the Red Sea and made sure the ground was dry so that their feet wouldn't get muddy can deal with our circumstances and our challenges. Let's believe that despite iPhones and iPads and and you know, artificial intelligence, that God hasn't lost control, that the God of the Red Sea is still the God of today. Let's have faith that the God who wrote these things didn't write them just to titillate our senses and get us excited. He wrote them to give us an insight into who he was and that he wrote them so that he was telling us that these are the things that he can do. Imagine a raven going to feed a man. I understand that ravens are the most selfish of, of birds. And somehow, just to prove that he's God, he overrode the natural selfishness of the raven so that the raven obeyed him to feed his servant at the brook Cherith. That God is still the God we serve today. And let's have, I, I just wanted to encourage us, let's have faith in him. Let's look at the statistics because, you know, sometimes it can be daunting when you, when you watch the news and you hear the stories and you read the newspapers and you, you're on social media and it's all negativity and it's all toxic. But that just hasn't stopped God from being God. None of that has ever stopped God from being God. And incidentally, it's not new to God. The world has gone through these phases and God has still remained God. So I encourage us, let's have Faith in him. You know, a fundamental principle of prayer is that, as the Bible says in Mark 11, verse 24, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. It's a fundamental principle. We rise up from the place of prayer, not doubting. There might be a question of the timing of it, but we believe that what we have asked God for, we receive. And so when I ask God for revival in the United Kingdom, I believe there's going to be revival. I'm expectant that there will be revival. I, I don't know when it's going to come, but I am 
permanently expectant that there's going to be an outpouring of God's spirit and the heart of this nation is going to turn back to God. Can someone say amen to that? The third thing that, that strike, strikes me with Elijah is the responsibility of intercession. You know, God says in Ezekiel 22 verse 30, I sought for a man. You can almost feel God's heart. I'm looking for someone. I want to do something in Cambridge. I want to do something in London. I have a plan for the United Kingdom. I have a plan for Manchester. I'm searching for someone, one person. And it's interesting that he doesn't say I'm searching for 20 people or 50 people. That's why I say to people, one person who is serious about prayer can make an amazing difference. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. One person can make a difference. When we look back at the massive moves of God, we find that it's usually a, a small group of people who gave themselves to a cause, who believe that God can transform, God can change. I, I, I don't know how true that story is, but I'm sure you've heard the story of, 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 of Mary uh, the Queen of Scotland, who said that the, she was, the one thing she feared more than the armies of England at the time when there was war between England and Scotland was that man John Knox on his knees. She knew that that man on his knees could cause the armies of heaven to invade the earth and bring God's plans to purposes. Maybe there's one person here that I could challenge that God is depending on you. I searched for one person, he says, who would stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. You know, my heart is that God won't say that about us in our age, in our, in our time and in our generation, that I searched, but I found no one. I believe that God will look down on C3 and say, I searched and I found many people who would stand in the gap and I would do what I had purpose to do in the land, in Cambridge, in the United Kingdom. Number four, he, he persevered. And I love this about uh, Elijah. He understood that prayer, the answers to prayers sometimes don't come in an instant. Frankly, often doesn't come in an instant. He understood perseverance. He understood the principle that Jesus was trying to teach his disciples in Luke's gospel, the 18th chapter and the first verse. He told them a parable, the Bible says, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, not to get tired, not to get weary, not to lose heart and not to give up. And you know, my wife Shola and I have been talking about this scripture a lot for the last two, three weeks uh, because we've been, we've been studying it and she's spent so much time studying it and praying into it. Because there are many things that can cause us to give up in life. There, there are many, there, the pressures of life, the waiting for an answer. Most people sadly will get to a point and they just give up, just move on to something else. But Jesus told that story to encourage us, that parable, that the nature of prayer, the moment you set yourself to pray and things are already happening, they're just happening in an unseen realm. You don't know that things are moving and happening and preparations are being made. So don't give up in prayer. I wanted to encourage someone, don't give up in prayer. Hold on in prayer. Your prayer is working. You might not see it with your eyes, but your prayer is working. And you know, Elijah gives us an amazing example of that. In 
in 1 Kings 18 from verse 41 uh, to 45, uh, you know the story. After the battle on Mount Camel, um, he says to Ahab, you can go and eat and drink. And then he climbs to the top of Mount Camel. He bows down to the ground, puts his face between his knees and says to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. What was the servant looking for? The sign that the prayer had been answered. He was now praying for rain to come. Um, and the servant goes up and comes back and says there is nothing. And he says that seven times. Seven times he sent him back. And each time he came and said there is nothing. And you know, we've all been there before. You set yourself to praying. You climb your own Mount Camel. You step away from the fray. You take some time out. You get away from all the distractions, and you start praying, and, and the, the news comes back that there is nothing, and there is nothing can be demoralizing. You know, there is, there is nothing can take your, to sap the energy from you. There is nothing can bring a hopelessness to, to your cause. But every time the servant came back, I can imagine Elijah saying, Elijah saying, but I heard the sound of the abundance of rain. I heard something. And I can imagine for us it would be, but I have a word from God. God has spoken into this circumstance. He has spoken into this situation. The circumstances don't line up, but God has spoken. Surely God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said it? And will it not happen? Go back and check again. And he holds on in prayer. And I guess by the time They've, they've arrived at the fourth time or fifth time of go, go back and check. The servant is only going because he's his servant. I mean, he has no choice. He, he has to find another job if the master fires him. But he's totally despondent. He's, hope, he's lost all hope. He thinks this, this, this master has completely lost the plot. There's nothing. Don't you get it? There is nothing. And don't we hear that all the time? Church attendance is declining. What are they saying? There is nothing. Uh, we, get, we, we hear uh, that, that, that apostasy is on the increase. There is nothing. Secular humanism is on the increase. There is nothing. All those things are saying to us, there is nothing. We're believing God for someone to be healed, but the doctors have an, a, a report that's contrary. That says to us, there is nothing. Whatever the circumstances are, oh, the economy is blowing up, cost of living crisis, oh, things are so dark and terrible. All those things are loudly saying to us, there is nothing. But what do we do? We stay in the place of prayer. We persevere. We hold on. We refuse to give up. That's not who we are. We are more than conquerors. We are overcomers. We are resilient. We believe in God. God is not a man. He's not a man that should lie. If he said it, he will do it. We can, I can take that to the bank because it is the word of God. And I can imagine the shock of the servant on the, at the seventh time. He goes out there and I just pray he's in heaven because I want to have a conversation with him. I want to say to him, what did you feel like when you got there? And I can imagine... His mouth is wide open and he's saying, there is actually a cloud on the horizon. It's rising and it's the size of a man's fist. Can I encourage someone? Press on in prayer. You will see the cloud. Hold on in prayer. You will see the cloud. As long as God has said it, it will come to pass. Amen? And then lastly, we, 
the one, the one thing that encourages me the most from that scripture is that Elijah is portrayed to us as a man or woman, the generic term, who is like you and I. The Bible says Elijah had a nature with us. One translation says Elijah was a man with human frailties just like all, all of us. And doesn't he show his frailties? And I think that's why the Bible writes these things to encourage us. Right after that awesome battle on Mount Carmel, amazing victory, God answers by fire. The King James Version, if you count the words, and I did, is a 63-word prayer. I mean, this man prays, for 60, prays a prayer of 63 words, all of two and a half minutes, and God answers by fire. Dramatic answer to prayer. You would imagine that he would be on such a high, but guess what? We read that he comes down from the mountain, and Jezebel sends a message to him. And the message is chilling. She says, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She, what was she saying? You killed my prophets, you are finished. Now, how many think that the man of God who had brought fire down should have just laughed at that message? But he didn't. He panicked. And then from panic, he entered despondency. Depression. He became suicidal. He ran for his life. And after running for so long, he was so tired, he sat on the juniper tree and thought, you know what, God, it doesn't work. Take me away. Do you know, that's one of the most encouraging scriptures I've read. Because when I have bad days, when I have down, when I have times when I'm down and in a valley, when I have times when I'm wondering, oh God, how long? When, when I have times when I'm dealing with the challenges of life, I remember Elijah. That if Elijah could sit under a tree and wish he could die, I go pick yourself up and get on with life. And I want to encourage someone that it doesn't matter what is happening, God wants to use you. Despite your weaknesses, your frailties, your frailties and your failings, I marvel that God could use someone like me. It is a marvel to me. I, days I'm just lying in bed or I, I turn around to Shola and I say, you know, God is just, he's just something else. I said, if people knew my weaknesses and frailties, maybe Steve and Angie wouldn't have invited me here because it's not some mega man of God, some superstar intercessor, some general uh, of prayer. It's just a regular guy who's brought a heart to God, caught a burden from God for this nation, and who's saying, God, if you can use anything, use me, despite all my issues. And that's, those are the people God uses. I love um, Steve encouraging us at the start uh, before when he wrapped up the worship that God uses foolish things. I mean, look at us. What kind of army is this? <laughs> I mean, if, if, if we're depending on you, the battle is lost. Let's just, let's, let's, let's accept that. Let's, let's kind of accept that. But then God chooses to use you and chooses to use me. And I guess that's how he also makes sure that he deals with Satan. 
Because Satan is saying, you know, send some people who are at my level, like Archangel Michael. You know, people who are together. And God says, no, I'm going to use the messed up people. I'm going to use the broken person. I'm going to use the dysfunctional person. I'm going to use the person who doesn't even know what they're left from their right. People like Agu. I'm going to use Agu and deal with you. That way you will know it's not Agu, but it's God. Can someone say amen to that? <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. And so I, as I end, I just want to pray. And it's a prayer that I hope will stir up more prayer in your heart and in this church. Prayer for yourself. Prayer for your families. Prayer for your communities. Prayer for this church. God wants to use this church in this, in this area of the United Kingdom. And further. And prayers for the nation. I want to pray that God will disrupt your life. That after this prayer, life will never be the same. That you find yourself waking up at odd times. That you find yourself drawn to the place of prayer. That you find yourself receiving a burden that you can't discharge in any other way but in the place of prayer. I want you to agree with me that God will totally disrupt your life. Anybody say amen to that? Father, we just want to thank you and bless you. Lord, we glorify your name. Lord, as many as are saying, yes, Lord, come in and disrupt my well-organized life. Give me a burden, your burden, Heavenly Father, a burden for the lost, those who are not yet saved. A burden, O oh God, for those who are broken and wounded. A burden for those who are hurting, Heavenly Father. Let the weight of that burden be so heavy on me that it drives me to my knees in prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, let this church, C3, be known as a house of prayer for all nations, Heavenly Father. Lord, they're doing an amazing work, but today, Lord, take it to another level. Almighty and everlasting God, Father, we thank you. And if there's anyone who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you're in this auditorium or you're watching online, it'd be my privilege to lead you into a relationship with him. How do you do that? Just open up your heart and receive him and just say this simple prayer after me. Heavenly Father, today I receive your son Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I commit myself to a life of obedience to you. Help me, God. Thank you for receiving me today into your family. I declare, Father, that today I am born again into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go on, C3, let's give God a clap offering. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.